Blackburn podcast. We are your hosts, Shauna Blackburn. Say hi. Hey, what's up? And I'm Kelly DeWitt. And we are super excited about today's episode. This yes, is our third are. episode. Our third one. Yeah, it's awesome. We're moving along. We felt pretty good because we got a little over 100 downloads on our first couple ones, right? Yeah, and it was not all us. We didn't just keep downloading it. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> feel pretty good. The, the stats were not juke. So feel pretty good about that. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so if you didn't know, we do a true crime podcast, and every couple of weeks we do the recording for it. Um, we have crazy lives, so. Yeah, that's about all we can really manage at the moment. Pretty much. Okay, so we usually do try to do two episodes at a time. Shauna will do hers this time. I'll do mine next time, but mine will be probably a few days because I'm not quite prepared. But Shauna is, so she's the overachiever in this situation. (laughs) You can't just do the peace sign. You actually have to say something. (laughs) Peace sign. And it looks like this time around, we're both a little more energized than, than usual. So that's <laughs> that's a win in and of itself. Um, True story. <laughs> each episode, we try to have a little competition between each other um, to see who has the craziest story to tell. And last time, technically, I conceded. You conceded. I it's, I, it's on record. I, I we recorded it. <laughs> Literally recorded I, it. I did. I conceded. However, comma. Um, I we got a lot of feedback, and I'm thinking I'm not, we don't want to. We're not going to talk about the feedback. We're not going to talk about the feedback. You conceded. The that's all that counts. <laughs> the consensus was that I actually won. So you know what we're going to need to really do is set up the web page so that people can put comments and let yeah. let our public vote on who actually wins. That's what we need to do. Because yeah. yeah. then it would be fair. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, anyway, so yes, technically I conceded the last time, even though the popular vote, you know, I guess it doesn't really count. <laughs> no. So this time, Shauna gets to go first. So I'm excited to hear about your story. All right. Well, this episode, I am keeping it a little consistent. We're going to stay in the late 1800s. And I'm going to stick with the theme of women serial killers. Feeling, feeling it, feeling a little bit of feminism going on here (laughs) we we have we have a pattern we have an mo coming about a little bit of a pattern that's right that's right (laughs) but but we are going across the pond to italy which is my favorite country in the whole world it's a very interesting story it has some taboo elements so i'm just going to warn you uh there are some dark themes in this one Trigger warning. Trigger warning, indeed. Trigger warning, indeed. But I have always been fascinated with the the um, adage, nature versus nurture. Mm. And this is really a story about how culture, religious beliefs, upbringing, how it can affect a person. And are people born serial killers? Or is it 
because of their upbringing? Is it their the nurture? Um, yeah. And so I think this story really talks a lot about the whole debate of nature versus nurture. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. it. It was very fascinating, but there are some taboo elements. So I'm just warning you now because I know you don't like the gross stuff. So <laughs> I mean, it doesn't bother me per se, but I just worry about other people <laughs> well it's a, true, to. it's a true yeah. crime podcast so just let yeah. you know just let you know people it's this is, never I mean, gonna be pretty <laughs> yeah it's it's true and that was something i was trying to figure out myself i was just, i was trying to figure out my next story because i want to keep it as lighthearted as possible but at the same time we are doing a true crime podcast mostly focusing on serial killers so it's going to be kind of dark sometimes it's going to be kind of gruesome but we'll keep it as light as we can light as we can and i'll be honest there are just some things that i'm never going to go into detail about like some some things that i feel like are not appropriate to go into detail. we can we can gloss over it and just make the statement and then move on and we don't have to go into the gory details because it's just yeah it's rough but anyway yeah. This story, it starts with a woman in Italy named Emilia Dinolfe in Montella Avellino. This is like the Victorian era, okay? Late 1800s, like 1870s, actually closer to the closer to the 1890s, I think actually. Um so Emilia, she was born into a upper class family, very high society. She was very beautiful and lived during a time when, you know, as you come of age, your parents start looking to arrange a marriage for you, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, life expectancy was about 45 years old. So, you know, you come of age pretty early and uh, 15, 16, and then you're you're put out into society and, you know, the whole, you know, point is to get you married off, right? I know. Good Could time. you even imagine? No. Could you imagine me getting married at like 16? <laughs> <laughs> I think of I think of my kids and I'm like, I, my third one is 17, and I'm like, he's no, <laughs> he's not even close to me or something like that. So uh no, no. I know I wasn't at all. Nah. Mm-mm. But she was like, okay, so she was very beautiful. And uh, she lived during a time where, you know, before she came of age, she, she was like, you know, they wait, they would train these high society women and they would play musical instruments and speak several languages. And they were like educated in the womanly arts, like painting and singing and needlepoint. And they were trained to be excellent homemakers, but homemakers now is like you cook and you clean and you do the laundry and you take your kids to school and you do all that other stuff. But homemaker back then was planning and carrying out parties and shopping and decorating the house to receive guests and entertain other people. So that's really what she was trained to do. She didn't know anything about kids. She didn't know anything about, you know, keeping a house or taking care of anybody. She was just trained to look pretty and welcome people to her home. So she was like the 1800s trophy wife. Yeah. She that's, that's what she was training to be. It's just the 1800s trophy wife. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, I mean, they had servants and stuff back then. She's about 15 or 16. She's introduced into society through balls and parties and dances and, and all of course, while being appropriately chaperoned, 
the whole point was to, of course, catch a good husband. And she was very beautiful. So there was no shortage of candidates. She had people coming out of the woodworks. Her parents were not going to have any problems finding a good suitable match for her because she was just very appealing. She was beautiful. She had everything. She had a good name, the Dinolfo name, or what was it? The, the yeah, Dinolfe. I'm going to say, the, I'm going to butcher the, the Italian language today. I'm just letting it right now, right now. The well, Dinolfe. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, so the Denolfi name was very respected, very sought after. And so she, she just didn't have any, they were not going to have any problems getting her married off. So one evening she was attending one of these parties for that a friend, family friend had thrown and it wasn't very far from her house. So she had gone to the party and wasn't very far. So she had just walked over and everything. And, you know, the family was there. So they were considered chaperoned. Um, but at the end of the night, she just chose to walk home afterwards. Remember that she was like, done, 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 indeed. So she was like 15, 16 years old, and she was incredibly sheltered, incredibly naive, not familiar at all with the shadier parts of the wow. world. In her innocence, she made that fateful decision to walk back home. Now, mm. it's a small community in Avellino. There's, it's not a very big place. And there, and so while you had different, you know, classes in this community, everybody still knew who other people were. They just didn't, they, they just weren't running in the round in the same circles, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there was a guy in the town named Mariano, Mariano Chanchuili. And he was a guy from the poor side of town. He was about 40 years old. He was, he had a reputation for being like super mean and super lazy. Mm. Yeah. Super, super great guy. Drank a lot, <laughs> didn't work, didn't have a job. <laughs> Basically, the town drunk. He was not Real a great winner guy. on our hands. Super winner for sure. And he had been married previously. I really don't know what happened to his previous wife. He had like two kids with her, but the the from the research that I did, I couldn't really find anything about the two kids and the the his first wife. But at this time, he's he's not married or has done, I don't know, done something, but he's he's not married at this time. Um, but he had noticed Amelia. He really, really was interested in her, but he was also kind of like bitter about it because he knew that she was completely out of his league. So it was kind of like he was angry about it, that he was attracted to her, you know, mm, but it's weird. It's 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 kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was, he was just kind of like what you think you're good, too good for me type thing, you know? And so he was yeah. mad at her, but at the same time, he was like, you're super hot, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he had followed her to the party that night, kind of hanging out outside and drinking wine, biding his time. And he saw her leave the party and he followed her. Oh, yeah. So you can probably see where this is going. Like I said, I'm not going to go into detail about this part, but because we're examining the whole nature versus nurture, I think it's a significant part of the story. So that's why I didn't omit it. So suffice to say, Mariano had his way with innocent Amelia and left her there in a field to deal with the terrible consequences of his actions. It was really terrible. Oh, yeah. Horrible. And, you know, she's 15. So she's scared. She's hurt. She's confused. I mean, she's terrified. She does not really even know what just happened to her. Right. Um, so she crawled home and got inside without anybody knowing what happened, basically cleaned herself up. It didn't really, it, I mean, it took her a while to, she was young and naive. She just didn't understand. Right. 
you know, and this is not a time the Victorian those things. Yeah. You don't talk, explain them. Yeah. You don't yeah. talk about these things. I mean, it's not like your parents had Ugh. healthy birds and the bees stories with you. I mean, most women found out about those types of things on their wedding night. You know, that's not yeah. really something that they really just openly talked about. Um, and it's like a really religious time too. So mm. she was like terrified of being publicly shamed by her family or friends or community at this. I mean, she thought even God would condemn her at this point, Aww. you know, because, because of this. And so she didn't tell anybody what happened. She just kept it to herself, which you can imagine sheltering something like that on your own. I mean, that is a huge thing. She, she couldn't talk to anybody about it. She, and, and of course it's like, it's a small community. So she has to see right. him around. Ooh, I, right. How frustrating ugh. is that? And so it, it was like, I'm sure the hurt and the rage and stuff just went over and over and over again, every time she saw yeah. him and she couldn't say anything to anybody about it. A few months went by, it was noticed in the household that the staff pretty much noticed that she wasn't menstruating anymore. Oh no. Yeah. And, uh, so they told her parents and of course her mother confronted her. She found out she was pregnant. Oh. Um, yeah. So here we have this 15 year old who's pregnant due to this terrible incident at the time you're, you're living in high society. It's a scandal. I yeah. mean, now, now they can't marry her off to anybody. Uh, there's no hope that she's going to be able to be, arranged with a, a high member of society, mm -hmm. you know, so in order to save face, they call Mariano and his no. family over to dinner and force them to get married. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sick. Yeah. Yeah. What a horrible thing. So here's this man who's like 40 years old, Ugh. has no job, has no prospects, lives in a hovel, has violated you, gotten you pregnant. And now Amelia is facing a life where she doesn't have a home. She, she's like her life as she knew it is over. Over. I oh. mean, it's over. She doesn't, none of the stuff that she'd even been trained for. I mean, it's not like back then that, that they're like, nah, I don't want to. I mean, you might think of her as like a spoiled rich person, but women that's traumatic though, man. Like, well, but women couldn't go out and get a job back then. It's a Victorian yeah. era, you know. That's really what they were expected to do, right? It's not like they were like, man, I think I want to go. That do was this. That was your job. You was get your yourself job. ready to get married. So that, that was it. Yeah, Ugh. that was it. And so she didn't know anything, and his her parents didn't want to lose their status in society, so they forced her to marry Mariana. Ugh. Yeah. And so it was a very hasty wedding because, you know, she wasn't showing yet and they had to right. get this show on the road before that happened. And she had to leave her home. She moved away from her beautiful things into a hovel with a shared outdoor bathroom. Like the bathroom no. was shared with the community. No. <laughs> it was like, yeah. No. It was terrible. <laughs> and Mariana was terrible to her. He was abusive. He did not have a job and, and she didn't have, like, she didn't know how to clean, cook, care for her house or anything. And Mariano just expected her to know it. So he would beat her when she didn't do it right. Um, there was no learning curve. It was just what was expected, what was expected of her. And so she, she was just forced to figure things out and everyone in her family, 
all of her friends, basically they were like, okay, you're married. You're not our problem anymore. And they detached from her because she was a source of shame for the family. And so she was left with nobody. Hmm. Now, when Mariana wasn't beating her or drinking at home, he was like staying out all night in taverns and doing a whole lot of nothing. And I'm sure this would would have been a great break for her. But like I said, she had no nobody. She had no she didn't she couldn't relate to the people who are in her life now because they looked at her as, oh, you're just a spoiled rich brat that got taken down a few pegs. And so they Mm -hmm. didn't connect with her. And her previous friends didn't want her anything to do with her. And her family had disowned her. And like, it was like, she was completely isolated yeah. and, and she was and pregnant and now pregnant. Exactly. Aww. And now pregnant. And so it was just a really, really hard thing. And then to top it all off, everybody knew the story because Mariano was quite proud of his exploits. And so he would go drinking to bars and Hey, I, this is how you get yourself a new wife is you, you go and take advantage of her and then get her pregnant and then her parents Ugh. let you marry her. And it's, yeah, I know it was this just guy's like, already dead, but it's like, I really like to punch him. Well, just, just like, just wait. No, <laughs> just, mm. just wait. So, so she's, so you can imagine she's completely alone in a life that she was never prepared for, never wanted. I mean, it would make anyone bitter. Yeah. It would make anyone bitter. So Amelia finally gives birth to a daughter that they name Leonardo, like not Leonardo, but Leonardo <laughs> Chanchuli, Leonardo oh Chanchuli. Yeah. All right. Well, now this new life. So you, I mean, you could think of it as there's really two options here. Either this is a person who you're like, okay, it's, a, it's like a bomb to my, you know, it's some, it's somebody who will love me. It's somebody, you know, like she, she could have found solace in this new life. She could have bonded with yeah. her and found a safe harbor in motherhood. But you got a 15 year old with no experience. She's never had training. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's staying up all night with a newborn. She doesn't have a husband that's helping her. This child was pretty much the cause of her fall from high society. I mean, everything mm-hmm. changed because of this baby. She saw her daughter as the only thing in her life that she could truly control. Oh. And it was bad. Oh. It was bad. So she was abusive verbally, emotionally, physically. Like it was so bad for Leonardo. I mean, it just, okay. It was just, it was just really bad. Now, um, it was just Amelia and Leonardo after a while because of after about two years after Leonardo was born, Mariano, who, if you recall, would go out overnight to taverns and bars. He left Amelia, didn't see him for like a couple of days sometimes. I mean, it was just like he would just go off on a bender or whatever. So there was, there was you know, a couple of years after Leonardo was born, he was gone for longer than he usually was. So she scoops up the baby and she goes looking for him. And after a while, she finds him at one of his friend's house. And he is like super sick with a fever, Mm. like high, high fever. He's been super sick, couldn't even get home. So she manages to get him back home. (laughs) She tucks him into bed, shuts the door and forgets about it. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I'm just gonna let nature take its course. (laughs) Oh, man. She didn't call the doctor. She didn't check on him. And nature took its course. (laughs) Basically, she just let him die in the bedroom. (laughs) And then like, you just lay down there and I'll never see you again. And and I guess one of so Leonardo 
wrote a, a memoir at some point and in it she says that her earliest memory was at the funeral of her dad and her mom spat on his grave and oh. was just like yeah so i mean i get it he was it yeah. was terrible it was terrible you know she Poor Amelia. I mean, she, uh, she wasn't, she wasn't awesome to Leonardo. She was terrible to Leonardo, but man, she, she had a hard life. She had a hard life. Yeah. So again, it's that nature versus nurture thing, right? Right. That's craziness. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Amelia took her revenge on Mariano <laughs> and Can't in her, say that I wouldn't have done the same thing for real, for real. And so in her mind, she's thinking, okay, I'm going to get rid of him. Then I can go find a new husband and maybe re-enter society. But unfortunately, her fall from grace was a little too far. Oh. And yeah, high society, they just were like, you married way below your station. You don't belong here anymore. This is too big of a scandal. You're not going to overcome it. Oh. So now she's a widow with a young daughter, no help, nothing. So she wow. starts like trying to date around, trying to, you know, dating, dating around in the Victorian era, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So she's trying to get a middle-class husband. She's like, okay, well, if I can't get a high-class one, then maybe we'll go middle-class. I just need somebody to support me. Right. Right. Um, and they would date her because she was beautiful, but it was kind of more like the person you play around with before you settle down and get married. <laughs> she oh. was, yeah. Yeah. She was never considered somebody that was marriageable material. Um, she had a kid, she had baggage. It just wasn't, she's a widow. It just wasn't going to work out. So she kind of got into a situation where she was found herself in the company of men who were wealthy, but not like respectable, wealthy. I mean, let's just say organized crime was alive and well in the Victorian era. Yes. (laughs) The mobsters. The mobsters. The Italian mob. (laughs) Do what you got to do, sister. Hey, you know what? At this point, I'm sure she was not too picky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She finally found a man who married her and took care of her. Um, he didn't, he wasn't really, we know Amelia wasn't a big fan of Leonardo anyway, and her new husband could care less about Leonardo. In fact, she was just kind of like there, like he dealt with her because, you know, he wanted to be with Amelia, but they would like leave and go out to lavish dinners and stuff and leave Leonardo at home without any food Mm. or like she had to take care of herself. And she was like five or six at the time. Like she was little. This is like, Aww. this is like my youngest, you know, five like years old. Yeah. It's terrible. Although I'm pretty sure Evie could take care of herself. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. My kids go get their own food in the morning, which is kind of nice, especially <laughs> yeah. Saturdays when I want to sleep in. <laughs> like, it's your... super nice. Yeah. When they get yeah. to that age. Cause yeah. So yeah. So she's taking care of herself. She has no support, no love from her parents. Um, and, and in fact, when she did get attention, it was negative and abusive. Um, so she's no, I mean, she's been abandoned basically. And it, it took a toll on her. In fact, by the age of 13, Leonardo was so despondent that she tried to commit suicide by hating herself. And she, like, you could see marks on her neck from her trying to hang herself and she didn't succeed, but it was so like her mom didn't even notice, never even noticed that she'd even did it. And a year later, she tried again, still unsuccessful, but again, nobody noticed a thing. I mean, how, That's how sad. bad is it when you try to die, try to kill yourself and your parents don't even know and don't care? Oh. Yeah. So she, I mean, internal, I mean, mentally, Leonardo was messed up. She was mentally, Leonardo, Leonardo, 
did I say Leonardo? Leonardo. <laughs> Mentally, Leonardo was very messed up. But externally, she was turning into quite a stunning woman, just like her mom. And people were noticing, including her mother. Hmm. And Amelia was like, huh, my daughter is actually quite pretty. And she became hopeful. In her mind, she thought if I married her off into a high society family, then I will be able to regain my status in life. So Mm -hmm. she looked at Leonardo as her ticket back into the good life, basically. So she became completely obsessed with finding a husband for her daughter that would bring her that status that she wanted. There were so many men who were interested. Like she would go out and their their mothers would invite her to parties and tea and all this other stuff and, and trying to make this connection. And you would think Amelia would be like, yeah, let's get this going. Let's make it happen. Right. But mm. she was really enjoying the limelight. She was enjoying the fact that she was being accepted back into these circles again. And so she kind of mm. prolonged, prolonged it. the situation. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. She was really prolonging it. She did forget to tell Leonardo that she was doing this. <laughs> she just kind of went with it, which didn't work out too well because Leonardo, who all she wanted was to get away from the life that she had and find someone who loved her. And she wanted so badly to get married and have her own family and have children that because she was determined to be a better mother than her yeah. mother was. Well, and she, good. yeah, she just, she wanted to go out and she wanted to be a, a better mother. And so she found a man who he was older. He was, you know, lower class, but very hardworking. He was a registry office clerk named Rafael Ponsardi. My guy. That's right. And he loved her and um, she loved him and they had never had any, she'd never had anything like this before. So when he proposed to her, she's like, yes, uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So she went home and she told Amelia, Hey, there's this guy who's asked me to marry him. And I said, yes. Well, of course, Amelia, who's been out beating the pavement, looking for a husband was like, (laughs) (laughs) she's beating that pavement in the pavement. (laughs) She's getting after it. That's right. But she was like, (laughs) nah, you are not doing this. But she still didn't tell her why. She she just said, you're not going to marry this guy and expected her to obey because that's what children did. But Mm. Leonardo, Leonardo, she thought mom's just trying to keep me from, you know, being happy. This is just one more thing. She's trying to knock me down. Um, and so she said, screw that. I'm out of here. And she, she, she said, sorry, I'm, I'm marrying him. Amelia did something in this moment that would haunt Leonardo for the rest of her life. She cursed her daughter and said, you will live a miserable life until the day you die. And they never saw each other again after Leonardo hmm. left. And that was, it, I mean, they didn't for a while, they lived in the same town. So it would, it's like, Emily had to go out of her way to ignore her daughter, but she was so angry with her that she ruined this for her that she never spoke to her again. Now, because of, because of the way Amelia treated her, um, those last words would cause eventually cause irreparable damage to Leonardo. Mm. She never thought she was a good enough. She, uh, would, did you hear what I just said? She never a good enough, a good enough. I'm I'm Italian. (laughs) She never thought to wish she wasn't good enough. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
We're not trying to offend anybody here, so <laughs> we may cut that out. <laughs> no, 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 okay. And Raphael, he tried. Like he was so supportive. He he never demanded anything. Um, he tried to give her, like he couldn't understand why she would get bent out of shape over the smallest thing. Like she would just go to pieces if she if she did something she thought it wasn't good enough. She'd get overwhelmed, the slightest thing. And it started to take a toll on her health. She started having like seizures and she'd have fits. Oh and she had like mental health issues. It was really, really rough. So she started like, uh, branching out and looking to things like, well, the, the Romani culture was really big where she was. And so she would reach out to the Romani culture because they had, I mean, you know, Catholic Catholicism religion was big as well, but the Romani, Romani culture had things like fortune telling and palm reading. Isn't that like gypsies? Like Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. 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 So, so she had started to, um, really get in with the Romani culture. Just, it was teaching her a lot of things about fortune telling and palm reading and Amelia or Leonardo. Leonardo. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're moved, okay. we've moved away from Leonardo. We're taking, we're going to Leonardo now. Amelia okay. is she gone. gone. She's, she's gone. Yeah. Um, and we, I don't really know what happened to Amelia, but Leonardo, she, you know, she's, she's been cursed by her mother. She's living this life with Raphael and He's trying to help her, but it's, she's just, her mental health is not doing well. Yeah. And so she turns to the Romani culture because she finds solace and peace in it. And it helps her kind of deal with these issues that she's having. Mm. Um, and, and the other thing is, is they've been trying to get pregnant ever since they got married and she's having a hard time. She, she can't get pregnant. Oh yeah. And so she's going to, she's, you know, interested in the Romani culture. She goes to a fair one day and she sees a Romani palm reader there. And she goes in and she's like, okay, when you read my palm, you're probably going to see something about a curse, but that's just something that my mother did. So don't worry about that. <laughs> I mean, that's, oh, okay. that's how you, yeah. So anyway, so, so she's were, like really taking this, like, like her mother, like actually cursed her. She, like, I mean, if you think, I mean, if you think about it, she has no confidence in herself. She can't get pregnant. Like, you know, she's like, what the heck, you know? Uh, and so she she puts stock in this curse, but it doesn't get solidified until this moment. The Romani palm reader reads her palms and she, she gets to the fate line. And she says, it says here, you're not going to die for a long time, but you will live a long life of sadness and outlive all of your children. This whoa. was devastating to Leonardo. She... It, it basically confirmed the curse that her mother gave her. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, she and Raphael have been trying to get pregnant. All she wanted to do was be a mother. All she wanted to do is have tons and tons and tons of children and take care of them and, and have people who would love her all the time. Yeah. She knew that her mother had cursed her, but she never, it never occurred to her that she couldn't get pregnant because of the curse. But after this, oh. she was convinced that that's why she couldn't get pregnant. So it took him three years to get pregnant for the first time. She eventually got pregnant 17 times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My uterus. Yeah. Three Ooh. of them. <laughs> three of them ended in miscarriages. Oh. 10 of her children died before they became adults. No. And she only had four that lived to adulthood. Oh. Yeah. And she was 
fiercely protective of them, like fiercely. And like I said, she had health problems, trouble getting pregnant, trouble staying pregnant, trouble with her children dying. Her husband, who was a hard worker, had trouble making enough money and they struggled financially all their life, like all their married life. Child after child had died. She only had four that were still alive. She decided that, and they were dying for things like some would die in their sleep. Some of them had the flu or they'd get sick or the plague or whatever. And they couldn't, they couldn't afford care, healthcare. They couldn't, their living arrangements weren't well. So she attributed to all of the deaths of her children because she didn't have money to provide for them. Oh, that just breaks my heart. Yeah. That's like it's, my biggest fear. Like being a mom, that's your biggest fear it is, is that you're going to lose your child. It is. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because the, 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 the levels that Leonardo went to, to save her kids were insane. But it's Mm. like, that is like, she, she was, she had mental health issues. I mean, she had a terrible, terrible life. And despite the fact that she was trying so hard to do the right thing, it's like everything kept kicking her down, you know? Yeah. Um, And her husband, you know, just couldn't, couldn't make the money that he needed to, to provide for his family. And so she ends, ends up taking an overnight cleaning job at a bank and she's, you know, goes in, she works all, or she takes care of the kids all day while her husband works. And then he comes home and takes care of the kids at night. And she goes to clean at a bank to help make money, but she's terrified to leave her kids. Cause at that point she has one child that died overnight in her, in her sleep. And so mm. it's like, uh, you know, she's like, if I leave, my kids are going to die. And so I mm. need, I need money. So she's basically driven to the point where she's desperate. So she can't get into the bank vaults. She can't get into the money. So she tries to, she decides she's going to create a fake account in the bank ledgers because she has access to those. Mm. And then she's going to, she's going to write it in there and say that she has all this money in the ledger. And so she would just go to the bank and just try to withdraw from her account that was written down in the ledger which clearly is a stupid plan. (laughs) Um, And they catch her. And uh, when she tried to withdraw the money and they arrested her and charged her with fraud and they put her in jail for 18 months. Oh, well. Yeah. So this is 1927 when she goes to jail for for 18 months. So she goes to jail. And once she gets out, um, I mean, she keeps her head down. She does her stuff. She gets Mm -hmm. out, you know, just fine. They release her to her husband. They, she and her husband, you know, of course (laughs) the society's like, uh, you're a jailbird now. And you would use that. (laughs) Oh, sorry. My bad. My bad. Those of you who don't know, Kelly's a jailbird. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You spend one night in jail and you never live it down. Like that was like 10 years ago. Let's move on. (laughs) Yeah. I wish this was a video we could show your mugshot. That'd be so great. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We're definitely not posting that to any type of social media outlet. So don't get your hopes up. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. Anyway. So she went straight to jail and yeah. And and got out straight away. And so she's she's, um, released to her husband. And she and Raphael end up moving to Lacedonia. For a while, things get better. It's very beautiful there. And things are going well until an earthquake occurs and destroys her house. No. <laughs> yeah. Of <laughs> so, all the things. Of all like... the things. Of all, I mean, it's like serious. I mean, you could see why she's like, 
I'm totally cursed. You know, I can't keep any kids. I go to jail for fraud. Then my house gets torn down from an earthquake. So they end up moving to Carezio and it's just a small town and they decide they're going to open up a little small soap shop. Just yeah. this little soap shop, very cute little kitschy little shop. They're, they actually have soap in their shop. They actually had soap <laughs> in their shop. Yes, this this one, they actually opened up a grocery <laughs> and had inventory in their Yeah, yeah. See, it's different. And, they, and things were stable for a while, you know, and she was their family was very well respected in the community. They got a lot of business. She was even uh, considered a fortune teller. So she'd get, you know, a lot of people who would come and ask her, you know, for fortune telling and stuff like that. So she, she was making some good money for her family and they were actually stable, but yeah, it was cool. But not long after world war II broke out, I'm not saying it's because of Amelia's curse. I'm just saying that World War II broke out. <laughs> we're gonna put, now you know what caused World War II of World War II <laughs> on Amelia's curse on Amelia's curse. <laughs> but her oldest son Giuseppe was her favorite child. It was her. I think Giuseppe is such a cool name, isn't it? Kind of a cool name. I, I've been cool wanting name. to say it this whole time. I've been excited to say it. It's a very cool name. So Giuseppe. Her favorite child, her oldest son, gets called to war. No. Yeah. And she's terrified. She is desperate to save him. So she goes and researches everything she can think of to help protect him because there's nothing she can do about she can't keep him from going to war. He has to go. And so, so she goes to Hitler and tries to kill him. <laughs> yeah, she's a one one woman army. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, she. I know decides. how to stop this war. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, that would have been that would have been a great ending, actually, because it would have solved so many problems. Solved <laughs> so it would have solved all the problems. All the problems. No, she at, at this point she's broken, and yeah. her deteriorating mental health leads her to believe that the only way to overcome this curse and save Giuseppe is to make a human sacrifice. No. Yeah. And we're there. And we're there. So this is how she does it. Like I said, she's known as a fortune teller around the little Mm. town, you know? So she has many people that come to her and ask her for help and aid. And one, one of them was a woman named Faustina Setti. Faustina was a spinster. She was in her 70s and desperately wanted to get married. Oh, yeah. Like lived well past the, you know, life expectancy that she would normally assume. Is this this where she decided to get cats or? (laughs) Yeah, well, she was she was, you know, last ditch effort. She she was like, yeah, I think Leonardo can help me out. So I'm going to go have her. I'm going to get, you know this local fortune teller to help me help me catch a husband at the ripe old age of 70 years old. She said it just like that too. Just like that. Hey, I was there. there. (laughs) So she, she goes and she talks to her and she says, Hey, can you help me out? During her visit, Leonardo said that she found a suitable partner for her, Pola, which is like modern day Croatia. But she's like, don't tell anybody about it. In fact, I just want you to write some letters 
and postcards so that we can notify your friends and family after you go and talk to this guy and see if he's a good match for you. Because I think he's a good match for you, but you don't know it yet. So wait and send the letters until after you get to Pola and you meet the guy. So she's like, that sounds legit. So she... (laughs) (laughs) That checks out. That checks out. So Faustina comes, you know, shows up on that day, brings the postcards to her, and she comes in to say goodbye. And as they're visiting, uh, Leonardo's like, hey, here's some wine. You should drink this because it's going to make you feel better on your trip. And of course, (laughs) make you feel real good. Real good. Of course, she drugs the wine. Once Faustina falls unconscious, Leonardo murders her with an axe, pulls her body into a closet and hacks it into nine pieces. No. Yep. Then she collects all the blood in a big basin and she puts the pieces of Faustina's body in a pit, adds seven kilos of caustic soda and stirs it until the mixture is turned into a thick, dark mush. What is caustic soda? What does that mean? It's like a, it's like a, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So I'm going to look it up. (laughs) Sodium hydroxide. Oh, okay. It's sodium hydroxide. So anyway, she she dissolves the the body and it becomes this thick, dark mush. And she pours it into several buckets and disposes of it in a nearby septic tank. (laughs) Oh my then well, at least she's thorough oh no oh no then she takes the blood that she collected in the basin lets it coagulate mm-hmm. dries it in the oven grinds it up mixes it with flour sugar chocolate milk and eggs and margarine no. and makes tea cakes no to sell in her no. shop oh sweeney Toddette. yeah Oh, she and her son, Giuseppe, eat the tea cakes as well. No, poor Giuseppe. Yeah. And then to make matters worse, she took Faustina's life savings as the payment for her services. And it was actually about 30,000 lira. Oh, my. Which equivalent? A buttload of money. I don't know. I don't know. It's a buttload. It's a buttload. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So that was the first murder that she turned into tea cakes and sold in her shop and ate herself. In the Um, name of human sacrifice. In the name of human sacrifice to save Giuseppe. Now, the second victim was just like Seti. She was a middle-aged woman and she just didn't have a lot of prospects at the time. And she needed to, she just needed to be able to provide for herself. Not necessarily mm-hmm. that she wanted to get married. She just wanted to be able to provide for herself. So she went and she tried to get Leonardo to help her, you know, fortune telling, you know, can you help me find a good mm-hmm. job? And her name was Francesca Suave. Leonardo told her that she found her a job at a school for girls in like Northern Italy. So just like Faustina, she was like, hey, you know, you don't know if you got the job yet. So, you know, don't tell anybody about it yet. Just write some letters and I'll send them after you, you know, find out you get the job. So, um, again, bizarre. I know. So again, Francesca comes to say goodbye to Leonardo and Leonardo's like, Hey, the trip's kind of rough. Why don't you drink some wine to calm your nerves? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Second verse, same as the first drugged her, murdered her with an ax. Did the same thing with her body, no. cooked her up in some little tea cakes, mushed her body down and threw it in the septic tank. Received I will about never, ever eat tea cakes. Ever. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, served served her up, ate her body and tea cakes. Yeah. She got about 3,000 lire from the death of her second victim. So no questions not, asked. No questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. told you. I told you I was going to find a way. <laughs> you sure did. You sure. Um, this is sounding a lot like my story. <laughs> Her third victim was a soprano star. So she was a vocalist. Apparently she had like performed at La Scala, which is like a famous opera house in Milan. So they, they had met and uh, Leonardo was like, Hey, there's this really great job in Florence as a secretary for a mysterious impresario. So they were pretty, you know, she was pretty excited. She's like, Oh yeah, I totally go do that. Her name was Virginia Cachopo and Virginia, she told her the same thing. She said, Hey, you know, we don't know if you got the job yet. So just write your letters, come and see me. Yeah. Yeah. No contact with the sexual place. Just the fortune teller. Just the the fortune. Yeah. So, so again, Virginia came, came by, she brought her letters. Now this is okay. This is really crazy. So again, I told you Leonardo, she wrote like a memoir later, right? Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, We'll get there. We'll get there. Who is a serial killer that writes themselves a memoir? You'll see. You'll see. All right. So so Virginia comes to say goodbye. And this is what this is what uh, Leonardo writes about her. She says she ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it melted, I added a bottle of cologne. And after a long time on the boil, I was able to make the most acceptable creamy soap. Oh, I gave bars, people soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes too were better. That woman was really sweet. No. (laughs) Dude, she melted her body and made soap and then ate her. I mean, and she got like, she got like 50,000 lire from her and jewelry and stuff like that from her because she was a little bit, you know, bougie or whatever. I'll say. Yeah. But because she was well known and a prominent person in society, this actually was the victim that got her caught. Yeah. Yeah. So Cachopo had a sister-in-law who increasingly became like suspicious because she had disappeared just like suddenly. And so mm-hmm. she she went to the the you know police in and uh the town and she told them that she had last seen her sister Virginia entering Leonardo's house. And so they went to the her house and they arrested her. And she was like, Man, I, it wasn't, I don't know what you're talking about. She denied everything. And so, of course, their first thought is uh, not a woman would do this, right? Right. So they start to look to Giuseppe. Oh, clearly, Giuseppe is the one that has done away with this person. Well, oh, the second, Giuseppe. well, this, yeah, but here's the thing the second Giuseppe was implicated, Leonardo goes, Nope, it was me. Oh, well, yeah. at least there's that. Here's, I mean, she really was like, she was a mama bear. She was a mama bear. Yeah. And she, she gave a full confession and in 1946. Wow. They conducted her trial and she was found guilty. And she, but the thing is, is here you got, like, I don't think they knew about the other two. I think she was just like, well, I'm telling everything. So I'm not telling, might yeah. as well tell it all. So she committed, like she, 
she was found guilty. She, she, she said, talked about all three murders. Wow. Um, and then she was given like a 30 year sentence in order to spend three years in a criminal asylum. Wow. And that's where she died was in 1970. She actually passed away in the women's criminal wow. asylum in Pazuli. And she had all of these artifacts that actually are in the criminological museum in Rome, like the pot that she used to boil her victims what? in. What? Yeah. It's like crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. And she, so before she died, she wrote down all of the things that she did. And during, of course, when they, when she made her confession, she, you know, had told everybody everything. I mean, she, she was just like, yep, this is what I did. Well, saved my kid's honest. life. Yeah. Saved my kid's life. And here's something else that I found out. Cause so she spent three years in a criminal asylum, right? Mm-hmm. Right after the, no, it was right before the earthquake. She went to another Romani palm reader. Oh no, it was a fortune teller. And the fortune teller told her, I see two things in your future, or I see two things in your life. One is prison and the other one is an insane asylum. What? Yeah. And so she'd already been to prison at that point, but she had not, she was terrified of the insane insane asylum. Like, because, you know, it's just not, it's not a good look. (laughs) It's just just not a good look. (laughs) Not a good look. (laughs) Not a good look. So anyway, how else would you describe that? I don't don't want to say, but isn't that fascinating that, that she ended up being committed to a a criminal asylum. But I mean, like in her mind, she was like, Hey, this checks out. I mean, I got to save my kids no matter what. And so she just went to, but here's the thing. It's one thing to sacrifice somebody, but to chop them up, boil them down, make soap out of their bodies and eat eat their blood in a tea cake that's a little extra that's extra right she's like the bougie serial killer like she's <laughs> she just she was but but what told her what told her yeah you know i'm gonna sacrifice maybe i should eat it <laughs> maybe i should sell it as soap i don't know yeah. i think there was a little something more going on there but anyway it was mm. i just i just thought so she's known as the soap maker of Caraggio. Is what she's yeah. known as. Yeah. Oh my. Isn't that crazy? I was just that like, that is crazy. This wow. is an insane story. And, and I mean, and as far as serial killers go, there were only three that died, but man, they were doozies. Like, seriously, that's, I mean, cannibalism, that's, mm, that's wild. Yep. And, and her neighbors, she gave them to her neighbors. I'm like, do oh. you, do you hate them or do you, <laughs> do you hate them? She's like, here's all my hard work. I really I wanted made to you share some it with soap. You. It's so soft. <laughs> it smells delicious. <laughs> Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Or maybe Ugh. eat it. <laughs> here's some tea cakes. I made those too. Oh, they're the so sweetest. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, that last one apparently she the this the soprano star was this the really sweet one. Anyway, so that's it. That's my story. The soap maker of Correggio. That's insane. Yep. Wow. Oh, that's a doozy. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to come up with a really good one this next time for sure. Yeah. It's I really don't think it's fair that you haven't picked yours yet. Are you saying you haven't picked yours yet? I have. I've picked it. Um, I just have to put it all together. All right. Um, you can't change it. I, I won't change it. You can't change it. Because this right. was a but pretty... This one, this one isn't... It, it's a mystery. Oh. So it, we don't know who did it. It's a whodunit type situation. Interesting. For sure. Okay. But 
it's going to be good. It's it's a wild story. It actually has something to do with an axe. So okay, there's that. Okay. So we'll have to see. A few we'll similarities there. All righty. Yeah. I mean, no cannibalism, but you know. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. I told you there were some taboo elements in this one. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, we did a pretty good job, you know, not making it too dark, I guess. Yeah, I was really trying not to. You know, there, I think we're just going to, we're going to come across things like that. But yeah, you know, I really, I really was full about it. Yeah, I was really hoping I was, I managed that. I, I think, I think this was a, it was a very interesting story to me. I'm excited to hear yours. I'm excited. I think it's yeah. going to be a good one. I really like that story. It was a good one. It was pretty crazy. It. That's wild. And and I, I agree with you about the whole nurture versus nature thing. It seems like when you read about serial killers, like they always talk about their upbringing and there's always something that kind of initiates those types of behaviors. I don't know the science behind it or, you know, all the psychological aspects of it, but just seems like that's how those things come to be. Yeah. And you know, one of the reasons why I always wanted to do something like this is because I love shows like Criminal Minds. And, you know, there's occasionally there are stories of where you have a perfectly normal family. Like there was one one episode in Criminal Minds where their son, their older son killed their younger son because their younger son broke an airplane no. of his and he just choked him out and killed him. But then he'd like shoved his airplane parts down his throat. And it was mm-hmm. like, so, so there was an element of psychosis, you know, or yeah. crazy behavior that was more than just rage in that moment. And so yeah. I think of that episode sometimes, cause I'm like, this, this is a little child, you know? Yeah. Like they like, but are there people who are born that just have those tendencies or for whatever reason that they seem to be have a normal family, but for whatever reason, they, they don't have that empathy. They don't have, yeah. they, you know, they don't have that ability to connect with others or I don't know. Those like they, true sociopaths. Yeah. Yeah. Like that sociopathic tendencies. Yeah. It's, it is just. It's just interesting to me to hear stuff like that. But but in this case, I think Leonardo, you know, it, everything that happened with her mother and with her, it was so tragic. And, you know, the times, you know, she, Amelia was so isolated, you know, and Leonardo yeah. was so abused that it just, I don't know, it just, you could see it just going downhill, like just keep going downhill is all it yeah. is all that happened. So it was just a very interesting story to me and really brought to mind the whole nature versus nurture debate. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Anyway. Well, that concludes our third episode and I'm excited to share the next one. All so right. Stay tuned. We'll see. We're really going to have to make that some sort of a platform so people can vote. And be like, yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll have to see what we can do about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for now, we're just going to have to rely on feedback from our close family and friends. And, you know, they'll just keep telling me that I won. So, whatever. Whatever. The only reason you (laughs) won with air quotes, quoting air quotes with air quotes, (laughs) is because mom loves Scotland. Mom was not the only one that told me that I won. (laughs) You don't count. (laughs) You can't be like, we'll see. I told myself that I won. I told myself. 
I will end you. All right. Well, we do want to thank everybody who does download these and listen because it makes our day every time we see that somebody's downloaded it. So you guys are awesome. And thank you for listening because we're having a blast and it's just a lot of fun. We are definitely having a lot of fun with this. Probably a little bit too much fun. (laughs) But hey, you know, we won't quit our day jobs just yet. So no, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Y'all stay twisted out there. Yep, stay twisted. I feel like we got to come up with a better thing. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs>